We still doing all right? Are we still doing all right? All right. Hello, I am who I am only because of God's marvelous grace. That's how I introduce myself this week. How about you? Did you come with one? Anybody? I'm going to see you afterwards. So I am who I am because of God's marvelous grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? I was going to ask this morning in the announcements, I was like, if you are thankful, raise your hand. Can you praise God for something that happened this week? Raise your hand. I've, I am thinking of a few ways that I'm thankful and praising God for things that happened this week. And let me tell you, it wasn't something that happened to me. The few things I've thought of. I won't tell them, but there are a few things that I praise God for and it didn't happen to me. So are there things that we can thank God for and praise God for every day? Probably. And it doesn't even have to happen to us. So think about it. Are those in your life that something happened to them this week that you're thankful and praising God for? Remember, we are a community, right? We are a family. So if something happens to somebody else and it's worth us rejoicing over, we rejoice with them, correct? And we also mourn with those who mourn. So remember, it's not all about us, ourselves. It's about us collectively as a family. So if something happens, we praise God for that. Our psalm today, again, now I made some changes. I'm sorry about that because I put way instead of path and I'm like, <coughs> excuse me. Because my Bible says way, and I've always had path up there. So that's in one change. But if you say path still, that's okay. So here we go. One, two, three. Lead us, Lord, in your righteousness because of our enemies. Make your way straight before us. May that be our prayer today as we come to the Word of God and the book of James. Remember, James, a humble servant wrote this letter to the believers scattered in his day to encourage them to not only profess what they believe, but to also live it out, to go out and live out their faith. Remember, our faith determines our actions and attitudes. When you do something, do you think about that? How did, why did I just do that? Maybe it's because of our faith determines what we do and what we say and our attitude. Now, studying James, it's been a while, right? Studying James together has been quite a journey, hasn't it? We started in January, I forget the exact Sunday, but now it's the end of March, and we're still in James. <laughs> but it's been good. There's two more to go, today and next week, and we're done. But I hope that we don't forget about James when we finish the series my hope and prayer is that the challenges and encouragements we've heard from the book of James, this letter, will propel us or kind of motivate us to be better doers of the word and not just hearers only. And remember, James makes it very clear. If our faith is just a hearing faith, it is dead. There's also got to be action. 
Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That might be the key verse of James. That's in James chapter 1. This is how I wrote it out. Don't just believe, but actually get up and live out your faith. You have to get up. You can't just sit around and think it's okay. You've got to get up and live out your faith. Our study of James is coming to a close. You see the title in the bulletin, Coming to a Close. We're almost there. We're almost there. Coming to a close. Two more to go. Pray with me before we get into the first half of the last chapter here. God, thank you so much for James and his letter that he wrote many, many, many years ago. But it's written for us as well. He's encouraging us and challenging us to not only say we believe in Christ or believe in God, but we also back it up with our works, our good deeds toward other people. Help us to love you with all of our hearts, all of our minds, soul, and strength, but also to love our neighbors as ourselves. Be with us as we study this first half of chapter 5 today together. May your spirit be present with us, leading us into truth and guiding us to the path that you want us to go on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. James chapter 5, if you haven't turned there already, turn there with me. I put James 5, 1 to 16, that's supposed to be a 6. So we're only going to read first six verses right now for James chapter 5. Here we go. Our first point, now listen. Now listen. Remember what that means. It's obvious. What does it mean, kids? If somebody says, listen, what are you supposed to do? Pay attention. Very carefully. If somebody yells to you, listen up, you're not just going to be like continuing to do what you're doing and be like, okay, okay, and then never hear what they say. But here's James again. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Not very nice words from James. Now, studying this section, I was curious. I was like, who are the rich people in this passage? Remember going back to earlier in the letter, He's talking about the rich and the poor, and there were both believers there. Now, there's difference of writers here that say he could be talking to believers, or he could just be writing it so the rich people that aren't following Christ will overhear it. I don't know. Going with the members saying there, I don't know. You know who you are if you say that? But here, it does not matter to me. Whether or not these rich people are followers of Jesus or not, what's the point? The warning is still applicable to all of us. Here it is. Earthly riches or wealth do not last. 
They don't last. Again, remember James. Who's James? The brother of Jesus. I'm guessing he learned another thing from his brother Jesus. Go with me from, to Luke. Luke, and then we're going to Matthew for a couple verses. Luke chapter 6. Jesus, James's brother, is teaching here. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 24, it says this. Chapter 6, verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. So Jesus is teaching, woe to you rich people. It's not going to last. And then Matthew chapter 6, he's teaching here again. He says this in chapter 6 verse 19 of Matthew. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Do you think James is overhearing Jesus? James chapter 5, he says, Now listen, you rich people. Basically, your earthly riches are nothing. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to fall apart. They're going to be broken. They're not going to come with you. You're going to lose them all. These rich people have stored up wealth that will not last. Do we do the same? They were dishonest people who cheated their workers. They lived a selfish, luxurious lifestyle while people around them were in need. They were guilty of murder. That's how James describes these rich people. Woe to you, Jesus taught. James, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Question for you. I just gave you the answer if you were listening. What is the fate of those who trust in and seek only earthly wealth? What is the fate of them? Verse 1, what is it? Misery. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Again, what is the definitions? Misery means this. A state of suffering and want that is the result of poverty and affliction. A circumstance, thing, or place that causes suffering or discomfort. A state of great unhappiness and emotional distress. Listen, rich people. Misery is coming on you. The Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money or wealth, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Again, Paul writing to the Romans, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, 
patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Did you catch that? Share. Writer Bill Myers said this, When our Lord blesses with wealth, He expects that wealth to be used. He does not expect it to be hoarded. It serves no one that way. These rich people, did you catch that? You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Earlier he said, you have hoarded wealth. Do you know people who hoard things? If you're one of them, don't raise your hand, please. But they just accumulate things. They see it and they get it. They want more and more and more. You hoarded wealth in the last days. You lived in luxury and self-indulgence. You fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. This is what you're doing rich people, but what does it say again? Misery is coming on you. That's not very pretty. Just a state of unhappiness and great distress. So what can we learn? Be careful how we view riches and wealth. Are we concerned about getting more and more things here on earth that won't last? Or are we concerned about storing treasures in heaven that will last? Jesus taught this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And later he said, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Remember our prayer that we prayed together. Lead us, Lord, in your righteousness. Make your way straight before us. Are we seeking God's righteousness? God's riches? Or are we seeking earthly riches that don't last? Sometimes there are things you find in your house and you pick it up and it's broken. You're like, why do we still have that in our house? It's broken. It doesn't work. Now listen. Pay attention to how we view wealth because there is a coming judgment. Let's go to verses 7 to 9. We have another point here. Be patient. Who likes to be patient? Are you patient? Here we go. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. As we wait, we're waiting, we're patient. As we wait and long for the Lord's coming, Patience is needed. Patience is needed. Not only patience, though. He goes on, we need to be patient and to stand firm in the faith. Writer Ian McAvoy said this, 
as Christians look forward to the Lord's coming, it helps them to live with the problems of this life. When we expect the Lord's coming to happen, could happen tomorrow, could happen today, could happen five weeks from now, a month from now, years from now, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, doesn't matter. But if we're looking forward to that day, We can live today, even though it's troubling, we can live today because we know God is coming back. It'll help us. The Lord will come back. Here's some questions to think about. I love questions. Ponder these. What will we be doing when He does show up? Will we be hoarding wealth? Will we be off living in luxury and self-indulgence when He shows up? Another one, are we expecting Him to return? Are we being patient? Are we standing firm in our faith? Those are questions we can think about. The Lord is coming. What did James say? Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming back. So what are you doing today to long for that day, to look forward to that day? Paul, again, writing to the Thessalonians. This is my favorite thing in the book of Thessalonians. He's speaking of the Lord's return, and Paul says this, Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. That church was longing for the Lord's return, and they kept encouraging each other, saying, the Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. We just got to keep encouraging one another with that saying. The Lord's coming back. How are you living? The Lord's coming back. What kind of riches are you storing up? Did you help somebody today? Did you love your neighbor? Encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage other believers about the Lord's coming because what happened? What's going to happen? One day, the Lord's coming. One day, the Lord's coming. When that day comes, here's an exclamation point. When that day comes, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And it reminded me of a song. I sang a lot of hymns growing up. My church sang a lot of hymns. My parents are here, they know. I'm guessing this church grew up with a lot of hymns too. So you know this one. This is the song I thought of. I'm not going to sing it, but if you know, you can sing along while I'm speaking it. But sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. Onward to the prize before us, soon His beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. And I'll have to be honest, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. We can read about it, but I still don't know exactly what it's going to be like. But this chorus... When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. 
when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. I don't know exactly what heaven's all about, but what a day of rejoicing that will be. And James is encouraging believers, us today, be patient and stand firm in your faith for the Lord's coming is near. Verses 10 and 11. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you, now, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Brothers and sisters, he brings the example of Job. Job. Who's read Job? The story of Job. Who's read it recently? No one? But Job. He persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, James writes to these believers. I wrote this down, I'm going to say it. Job went through hell on earth. He lost everything, but he persevered. His wife said, curse God and die. That's what you need to do, Job. But he persevered. Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. He goes on, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. He persevered in his life. And James brings the example. You have heard of Job's perseverance. Believers, brothers and sisters, you know that Job went through a lot of stuff that maybe you're going through. But he persevered. Going back to James earlier in his letter, remember what he wrote in the first chapter, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. So how can we persevere? How can we persevere? Brothers and sisters, because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, we can persevere. Did you catch that at the end? The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Author Philip Keller said this. He spoke about Psalm 23, the last verse. Here's what he said. God's goodness and mercy and compassion to me are new every day. You wake up in the day, God's going to give you mercy, compassion, and love. They're new every day for us. And I picked up a commentary in my office. This is true to our native land commentary. And Gay Byron writes this in his commentary. As indicated earlier, the teachings of Howard Thurman offer an insightful challenge for dealing with suffering and evil in the world. Here's what Howard Thurman said. 
in the throes of suffering and evil, we are called to cultivate spiritually self-disciplined habits and practices which enable us to courageously exercise moral and practical choices as we make our way through the world. There's things you got to cultivate. There's things you got to learn. And one of them is to know the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. How do we know that? Well, we read the Bible. We meet as a community. Together, we encourage one another. We develop spiritual habits. So that when we walk outdoors in the real world where suffering, evil, chaotic, confusion, perverse generation, we'll be able to live right. We'll be able to live pleasing to God and make the right choices. Brothers and sisters, because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, we can persevere in our faith. Don't forget that. The last verse there. Chapter 5, verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Okay. This is extremely important, okay? James tells his listeners, don't make oaths, don't swear. I wonder again where James heard this. Where do you think? Where do you think? Jesus. You know the, the Sunday school answer. It's always going to be Jesus. With James. Verse Matthew chapter 5. Again, James probably heard his brother speaking. You can see the similarities. James cha- or Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 37. You'll see a lot of similarities. Jesus speaking, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. James, what did he write in his letter? All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. We know those words a lot. We familiar with those words, yes or no, correct? Do we simply say that? I'll say rarely. I don't, maybe not a lot. Just a simple yes or no. But James, now if here's a statement and you're going to say yes, yes, yes. If you have not realized this yet, Jesus is the best teacher. Is he not? James clearly thinks so. (laughs) His half-brother, he's like, I'm going to quote Jesus whenever I can because Jesus is the best teacher. As a kid, I sometimes said this, I swear to God, 
I will do it or that it will happen or did happen. I used to say that. I swear to God it happened just like this. Or it's going to happen. I'll do this. I swear to God. I said that as a kid. I also found myself saying this. If somebody didn't believe me, I said, ask God in order to ensure that my statement was true. I told people that. I said, ask God. I did that just like that. James again. I was reminded of that as a kid and I said, I shouldn't have said those things. But do we say those things sometimes in our lives? James again challenges his hearers to watch how they use their speech. All throughout the letter, there's a lot of speech in the letter. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Above all, followers of Jesus should be known for being honest speakers of truth. Are we honest people? When somebody asks us a question, are we honest? Do we make promises we don't keep? Do we say, I will do that, I swear I will do that for you, and we don't do it? Let your yes be yes, your no, no. Be honest speakers of truth. Here's your four takeaways, you've heard them. Number one, now listen. Pay attention to how we view wealth because there is a coming judgment. The Lord's coming. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Number two, be patient and stand firm in your faith for the Lord's coming is near. One day God's coming. What are we going to be doing when God shows up? What are we going to be doing? Number three, Brothers and sisters, because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, we can persevere in our faith. When you think there's so much trouble in your life or you're suffering or you're going through hard times, remember that. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He's there for you. In Lamentations it says, God's mercies are new every morning. Have you thought about that in the morning? There's new mercies. God's with me. God's going to be with me throughout the day till I lie down again. And number four, above all, followers of Jesus should be known for being honest speakers of truth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't promise things or swear to things that you don't or can't fulfill. Here's a question for you. How's your faith journey? How is your faith journey? Are you one that desires to begin your journey of faith today? If so, believe Jesus. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But don't stop there. It's not over when you get a new life. You're raised from the grave, a new life, but it doesn't stop there. What do you have to do? You have to live the new life in Christ. Live it out. Again, when you're reading books throughout the week and you're studying and preparing, everything falls, seems like everything falls into the same category you're learning something and something you read 
tells you what you need to say to the people. I'm reading a book, Crime Scene Jerusalem. It's a novel. It's a, not a made-up, but it's a fiction. And it, it's a story of a CSI agent going to, uh, going to a crime scene, but he is transported back to when Jesus was crucified. But here's what it says. He's led by Yahshua, which I think is Jesus in the story, but he doesn't know it. I jogged a few steps until I caught up with Yahshua. When I came alongside, he gave me a glance and a smile. Who are these people, I ask? Which people? All these people. I raised the kit in my right hand and tried to point to the one of the homes. They're just the people of Jerusalem. They live in such squalor. Yahshua stopped abruptly. Squalor? You think this is squalor? Place of poverty? Of course it is. They have nothing. He looks sad. You think wealth is measured by what one has in life? Yeah, that seems pretty straightforward, don't you think? I think wealth is measured by who one has in their life, not what. He looked at the small houses It's true, there are bigger homes, grander homes, but this is not squalor. People have lived like this for centuries, most happily. Did you catch that? I think wealth is measured by who one has in their life, not what. And I thought about it. Who do you have in your life? Most important one in my life is Jesus Christ. Second most important are believers. Community. So that's everybody else. That's a believer and follower of Jesus. It's not the who. or It's the who, not the what. Who do you have in your life? If you have not made that decision today, let me tell you, today is the day of salvation. If you've already experienced that and you're on your faith journey and you need to make any sort of decision today, don't hesitate. You need prayer. You need an encouraging word. You need somebody just to talk to. Come see somebody that you trust. As we sing this last song, come make a decision today. It's not the what we have. It's the who we have. Pray with me. God, thank you for today and the encouragement from James. I pray that we would take the challenges and encouragements that we've heard today and live them out and be encouraged to study more, to be in community more, to seek after your righteousness, not our own to store up treasures in heaven that will last for eternity. Thank you for each individual that is here today in person, but also online that have heard from the letter of James today. I pray that we would have open hearts and minds to any decision that we need to make, that you would lead and guide us into truth, that we may be encouraged because one day you're coming back. 
How are we going to be living when you come back? Help us to live out our faith and to be expecting you to return even at this very moment. Thank you again for James. And thank you for his brother Jesus. And it's in his wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen.